we're going to dive straight in um, because I, I love Christmas. So it doesn't matter how many parts we do. There's um, always more to the story for us to unpack. Um, and everyone has different things that they love about Christmas. And often, a lot of those things that we love, they're influenced by our childhood experiences, right? The things that we do with our families growing up, what we love to do as we become adults is just recreate them as adults or recreate them for our kids. And we find new traditions to start. But I find that this season of Christmas is often filled not just with joy, but nostalgic joy, where we end up singing the same carols every single year year, right? I was just thinking about this the other day, like whoever wrote Jingle Bells, Silent Night, however long ago that was, they probably didn't realize we'd still be singing that today. I don't know how somebody gets a new carol in there because the carols are kind of set, right? Like, How do we get a new carol slipped in? We, we need some new songwriters, but we sing the same carols. We bake the same favorite recipes. Y'all are about to pull them out for Christmas Day, those same things that you bake every year. We watch the same Christmas movies. We try to bring in some of the new ones, but we also go back to our favorites, right? <clears throat> we pull out the same decorations every single year and put on those playlists with the same Christmas songs to hang those decorations around the house. And although we might have different traditions as different families, I bet that everyone around the world actually associates Christmas with a particular symbol, lights. You know, we wrap our house in lights, right? We wrap our trees in lights. We put stars on top of those trees, and stars are symbolic of light. We light candles around our homes or in our Advent wreaths. And we even go on family outings or on date nights to go see the lights, right? Christmas is this explosion of light around the world that captivates hearts and minds and souls every single year. In fact, even the Grinchiest of Grinches, if they were to drive down a street filled with lights, I bet you their heart would be warmed even a little bit when they see that explosion of light. And when I was thinking about this in certain traditions, I, I, another one came to mind that I see happening around the world too, which are Advent calendars. Does anybody have an Advent calendar at home? Just a few? Okay, were some of y'all just not brave enough to raise your hand right now? I bet you many more people have them. But I see these around the world, and businesses have become so clever with their little marketing schemes to sell 24 of their products all in one package, right, with a little advent calendar. Now, you can get the basic cheap chocolate ones, or nowadays, you can get so many fancy advent calendars with like fancy teas, fancy soaps, fancy little bottles of wine for every day of December, or fancy makeup. I actually Googled fanciest like advent calendars in New Zealand, and Mecca is selling one for $750. I know. My jaw dropped when I heard that. I was like, uh, Okay, so that's become a thing. The world has tried to commercialize every aspect of Christmas, including our Advent calendars where we're counting down the days to Christmas. But did you know Advent means the arrival of a notable person or thing? The arrival of a notable person or thing. You see, a lot of people around the world, they can tell you that Christmas is about lights and Christmas is about bringing out the Advent calendars. But what so many people don't realize and what they don't truly understand is that the world is celebrating the Advent of light. 
with all our symbols of light, we're actually counting down the days to the birth and the arrival of a notable person named Jesus, our Savior and King. And so my message for y'all today is called The Advent of Light. And I'm just going to pray before we jump into some scripture. God, I thank you so much that in this moment you are here with us right now. And so, God, I pray that you would speak as we lean in to listen. I pray that you could bring this Christmas story alive for us again in this moment. Show us something that maybe we haven't seen before. Teach us something about who you are and help us understand that all of this is about the advent of light. And we just ask for you to be with us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, we dived into the book of Luke with Frosty, where he was talking about the shepherd's encounter with Jesus after his birth. But today, I want us to go to a different gospel. We're going to go to the book of Matthew, where we can read about the wise men. You know, those three little men that you see in every single nativity set, probably with fancy robes and the gifts and sometimes crowns on their head. Let's go see what Matthew is actually saying about those men. I'm going to go to chapter 2, and I'm actually going to read verse 1 to 16. And you're like, Darcy, that's a lot of scripture. Well, yeah, it's the Christmas story. So this is just story time with Darcy, okay? So lean in. We're going to read this story together. If you want to read along with me, I'm in the NIV translation, and it's going to be up on the screen as well. But it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where this Messiah was to be born. Well, in Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called those magi secretly back to him because he wanted to find out the exact time, say exact time that the star had first appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report back to me so that I can go and worship him too. A liar. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child. Say child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream to not go back to King Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord then appeared to Joseph to warn him to say, get up and take this child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for this child to kill him. So he got up took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt, where they stayed until Herod died. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by these magi, he was furious. And so he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Now, these Magi 
over the time, throughout centuries, they've become known as the wise men. Why? Well, magi were often advisors to royalty. They were seen as men of wisdom in the culture in that day. But they weren't from the land of Israel. They actually weren't nearby in Bethlehem like the shepherds were when they heard the news about Jesus' arrival. They weren't Jews who should have known all of the Old Testament Jewish prophecies written in the scriptures. These men were most likely Gentiles. That simply means non-Jews. And they were from the East. But it doesn't exactly tell us where in the East, but it could have been as far as Babylon, the place where Israel was once exiled. You see, some scholars believe that these wise men actually learned about the God of Israel, the God we read about in our Bible, through Daniel. Now, maybe you've realized that there's a book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And in that book, in chapter 5, King Nebuchadnezzar actually appoints Daniel a Jewish exile as chief of the Magi. And it says Magi, and that day was this group of sages, like magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. And if you read the book of Daniel, you'll know that these so-called wise men weren't always so wise. The king wanted them to interpret his dreams, but none of them could get it right. They were just making things up out of thin air. They couldn't figure it out. And that's when Daniel enters the picture. And Daniel, in the Bible's words, as a man of God, was seen to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Now, why could Daniel do this? Because he consulted with the God of the universe and with him alone. He didn't look to the stars to try to figure out a message, he looked beyond the stars to the one who created them. So on his life, it was evident that Daniel was a man of spiritual wisdom, and he was a man who had intimacy with God. And so he was appointed chief of the Magi way back in the Old Testament. Now, why is this important to the Christmas story? I'm going to tell you how it connects. Because Daniel was a prophet. And his prophecies about the coming king of Israel became known throughout the ancient East. So you see, he was well-respected by the Magi. And he would have been well-studied by the Magi. And so these Magi that we read about in the book of Matthew would have known about the prophecies of a Jewish king who was going to arrive in Judea. Do you see the connection there? You see, these Magi, they also understood astral phenomenon. And God chose to captivate their attention with a star, a bright light that they could not ignore in combination with their knowledge of these prophecies through Daniel. So they followed this light, knowing that this advent marked the arrival of a notable person, a notable king that they wanted to go and find, but not just find, they wanted to go and worship him. This is amazing. Maybe you guys haven't realized the link here with the Christmas story and how there's actually this thread that weaves itself throughout the entire Bible connecting every single book. But let me point out a few other things that we might not know about these wise men. Because people make a lot of assumptions about these men just based on what we see in nativity sets or in Christmas productions where maybe you've played this character of a wise man before. But in every nativity set, we see how many wise men? Three. We always see three. And sometimes people go so far as to name these three men. And they're often seen standing or kneeling there in the nativity at the scene of Jesus's birth. But is that true and accurate? Like, is that a biblical picture of these wise men? Well, 
No. Sorry to burst your bubble right now. But we're not told that there's only three of them. We're not told the exact number. There could have been two. There could have been three. There could have been 12 or a grand caravan. The Bible doesn't name how many there were. We don't know the number, and that's okay. We also don't know their names. In your nativity sets, it might have given them specific names like Balthazar, Melchior, and Gaspar. Have you heard those before? Have you played that character in a little nativity production? Well, guess what? The Bible doesn't actually say that. We don't know their names, and that's okay too. They also most definitely didn't meet baby Jesus in a manger. Y'all, they had to travel from the east, either on foot or on camels, and I feel like camels would still have been a little bit slow too, and they possibly came from as far as Babylon. Now, scholars believe, and there's debate about this, but their journey would have taken at least weeks or months or even a couple years based on how far they were traveling and on whether or not they only traveled at night when the star shone the brightest. But the Bible tells us that they came to a house where the child was with his mother. They came to a house where the child was with his mother. So he could have even been a toddler by the time that they arrived. But they definitely weren't in a manger when Jesus received these gifts from the wise men. Now, later in the scripture, we're told that Herod puts out an order to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity based on his conversation with the wise men about when the star first appeared. And he wanted to kill what boys? All of them that were two years old and under. So it could have taken them up to two years to have gotten there at the scene. So we don't know their exact date of arrival, and that's okay, too. I'm sorry if I've messed up all of your cute little nativity sets. You can still have wise men in the picture. Just maybe put them like they're still traveling to get there. Just, you know. <laughs> but we don't know their number. We don't know their names. We don't know their exact date of arrival. But all of those details aren't really important to this story. Because what really matters in this story, I want to summarize in three big questions that are still relevant for us today. It's where are you from? Where are you going? And what do you intend to do when you get there? Let's talk about where you're from. See, we know these men were from the east, and they were Gentiles most likely. Do you realize that in this moment, God didn't just announce his arrival to the Jews and to the land of Israel, but from the moment of his birth, he announced his presence to the Gentiles in a way that they would understand because the advent of light was for them too. We can see in the Christmas story that the Jewish shepherds, they were spoken to in a way that they would understand. If you were here last week, Frosty mentioned how, they, how Jesus was described as the perfect lamb, swaddled and lying in a manger. That was significant for the shepherds to understand, that symbolism there. But then God spoke to the Gentile magi in a way that they would understand, an astral phenomenon that lined up with Jewish prophecies they had knowledge of through Daniel. You see, whether you grew up with knowledge of God, being raised in a Christian family, or maybe you grew up in a non-Christian home that was taught the ways of the world over the ways of God, God wanted both groups of people to know that the advent of light had come and that it was for both of them. And see, I think the details of what town exactly these men came from or what their names were, I think it's left out of the story because it didn't really matter to God. Their past and what the world called them was not nearly as important as what they were going into and what God called them. Where they were from was not nearly as important as where they were going. 
And you need to hear that today for you as well. Where are you going? Because we know exactly where these men were going. They were being guided by a bright light to the dwelling place of the king of light. And I know that because in John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So where were they going? To Jesus. They were on their way to the light of the world. They were on their way to the dwelling place of the king of light, the one who could actually lead them out of darkness. And it didn't matter to them how long it was going to take them to get there because they knew they were on a journey to meet their promised king and savior. Where are you going? Where are you going? So what if you have a past? We all do. Look, I don't care. And God doesn't care if you were raised by Christians or by non-Christians. I don't care. And God doesn't care if you grew up with a knowledge of the Bible or you grew up only with a knowledge of culture. What matters is where are you going now? Where are you going now? Because the advent of light has come. And are you on your way to worship the king? John chapter 1, verse 9 to 13 tells us that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Where are you from? Where are you going? But what do you intend to do when you get there? We know that the wise men, they intended to worship. They came prepared to worship. They came prepared with gifts to give this king. They knew who Jesus was, and they knew what an honor it would be to kneel at his feet. And the advent of light, the light of the world, has come through the person of Jesus Christ. And we're counting down the days to Christmas, the holiday that marks his earthly birth. And when that star guides you to the king of light, when you find him, will you, like the wise men, be prepared to worship him? Will you be prepared to embrace the light that he offers the spiritual light, the spiritual truth that he brings for your soul, will you receive him? Will you believe in his name? Will you worship him and be adopted into his family as a child of God? LJ, you can come join me on keys. You know, it was this physical light in the sky that guided these wise men to the spiritual light, who we know is Jesus. And we know that it was this spiritual light Jesus, who was going to lead them and the world out of darkness. You know, we put physical lights on our trees. We put physical lights in our homes, but it's really the spiritual light that we're celebrating. It's not about all the physical lights, but it's about who they represent. And even if you think about it, we're actually conditioned to need light. Our physical bodies actually need light. You know, babies born in climates where they don't get as much sunlight are often given vitamin D supplements because if we have a lack of sunlight, our body can't produce what it needs. And so we get those vitamin D supplements. I even went to a university where in the winter we had a very harsh winter. 
And students who came to that university from sunnier climates like California, they were warned about SAD, seasonal affective disorder. It's a real thing, y'all, that has very real effects on the physical body and the mental state of a person. But more than our bodies needing physical light from the sun, our soul actually needs the spiritual truth that can come only from the King of light, who is Jesus Christ. And even though it's physical light that wakes us up in the morning, it's the spiritual light that actually wakes up our souls, that wakes up our spirits. Light has power. It exposes what is hidden. It empowers what is living. It awakens those who are sleeping. It can warm those who are freezing. It directs those who are searching and it can heal those who are hurting. The advent of light will have power in your life if you choose to embrace it. You know, later on in Luke, Jesus was taken as a baby by his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, into the temple to be presented and dedicated to God. And this old man named Simeon immediately recognized the advent of light that he had been praying for his whole life had just been brought into the temple. And these were his words in Luke chapter two, verse 29 to 32. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. What he means is I can die happy. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight for all, of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. See, Simeon knew who Jesus was. Mary and Joseph knew who Jesus was. The shepherds, they knew who Jesus was. And these wise men who came all the way from the east, they knew who Jesus was. Do you? We're a week away from Christmas where we're gonna celebrate and mark his earthly birth. Do you know who it is that we're celebrating? Because it's so much more than just a baby in a manger. He was and he is the advent of light for a world that is corrupted by darkness. Advent calendars, they're not really about chocolate or about little gifts leading up to the day that Santa comes. Advent calendars were created to count down to the celebration of the arrival of our King. And the lights that we decorate our homes with or our trees with, they're not to just make this season seem magical. They are symbols of who He is. He is the light of the world. And so my questions to you today are, where have you come from? But more importantly, where are you going? And what do you intend to do when you get there? Because light is here. That means a way out of your past is here. A way out of darkness is here. A way out of confusion is here. A way out of pain is here. But will you embrace him? Because if you do, then we're told that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, within the hearts of believers. That means that believers are light carriers. We carry light. And Jesus told us in Matthew chapter five, verse 14 to 16, you believers are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, this Christmas season and every season, could you let your light shine before others? 
just like we're told to do? Could we let our lives be a reflection of his goodness and his grace for humanity? Could we let our lights shine so that other souls might also be guided to the king of light? You know, the Magi, they followed a star in the sky, a light that guided them to Jesus. That's how God announced his presence to those men. But what if now God wants to use you as the bright light for somebody else? See, what if you, as a believer, as a light carrier, are supposed to shine so bright that you actually guide those in your world to the dwelling place of the King of Light? See, what if that's what God truly intends? This is a story that tells us about these magi and a bright light in the sky, but now the world should be filled with lights because every single believer is a dwelling place for God. That means every single believer is a light carrier and you are meant to shine so bright that people are drawn into your presence, that people are drawn in to a dwelling place where they can find God. See, imagine if, if all of us not just here in this room, but Christians around the world. Imagine if we all chose to shine so bright that the world couldn't ignore it, that every day would feel like Christmas, where every day people's hearts and minds and souls would be captivated by his glorious presence. So will you turn your lights on? Will you shine so bright? But if you don't yet know him, today would you embrace him? You know, I want to finish with a simple prayer that we finish every service with. Because every week we want to give people an invitation to know Jesus. But before I do that, I just want to share a picture with you that God showed me in worship. It's probably going to make me emotional because I'm pregnant and so I cry easily. (laughs) But I was thinking about the Christmas story and how we are the dwelling place for God. That he would choose us. And there's so many people here where you have not opened your heart to God because you think your heart's too dirty. You think there's too much going on, that it's too messy to let him in right now. And you think, I'll let him in next month when I sort some things out. But do you realize he came and he was born in a manger, surrounded by animals? He's not scared of some dirt. He's not scared of some mess. In fact, he's the type of guest that when you let light in, he says, I can help you clean this up a bit. He's not there to sit on your couch and you serve him. He wants to come in and help serve you so that he can transform you from the inside out. You see, I just saw this beautiful picture of God being welcomed into some messy homes, some messy hearts. And he just said, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. He just wants to be let in. He will never force his way in. But if you let God into your heart, light will pour in and he will help transform you from the inside out. He'll help open up those curtains of your heart that you've used to shut out people, to shut out the world, so that one day you will be a bright light for somebody else. So I'm gonna pray a simple prayer where you can invite Jesus in and you can ask him to not just be your savior, to not just forgive you for all of your mistakes and your past, but ask him to be your Lord and to say, God, I give you control of this heart. I give you control of my life and I want you to guide me and I want you to show me what you have for me. So I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you wanna let Jesus in today, then I want you to pray this in your heart and I want you to mean every single word. We're gonna close our eyes and we're gonna bow our heads just out of respect for the people around us. But if this is you, would you pray with me? 
Hey, God, I thank you so much that you sent your son, Jesus, for me. And in this moment, I open up the door of my heart to let the king of light come in. I lay down my shame. I lay down my embarrassment. And I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, would you forgive me? I pray that your grace would fill my heart. I pray that your light would fill my heart. I pray that your peace would fill my heart. I pray that your mercy would fill my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. And God, help transform me into a bright light that can lead others to you one day. And I ask for that in your almighty name.